welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast, New Zealand's premier motorcycling podcast made by Kiwi Riders for Kiwi Riders. My name's Ray here, and joining me this episode, it is the one, the only, you've come to expect it, it's Matthew Day Gillett. Hey man, uh, good on you for getting that in one take, uh, giving the right podcast name for once. Almost got it in one breath too, eh? <laughs> no, good on you, good on you. What's well, been cracking this week as far as motorcycles go in your world? Oh, I actually rode mine, I, and gave it a really thorough clean too. Wow. Yeah, I was actually going to go ride it down Karyatahi Beach on the west coast of Auckland this past Sunday but um, I was a wee bit too hungover and it was bloody hot so I flagged that idea and rode home via McDonald's. Um, how about you? Uh, I've been yeah, doing the commuting thing uh, looking at the Michelin Road 5s going oh, I really need to get around to getting some new tyres. The centres are great the centres have heaps of tread on them shoulders are gone. Oh. One interesting thing about those tyres and I remember reading it when I first looked at getting them is uh, you know how I mentioned that the centre is like a harder compound and the shoulders are a softer compound? Yeah, for the uh, added grip when cornering. Yeah, so some tyre manufacturers, they kind of, they have these three strips of rubber they kind of join together, but uh, the, the Road 5s are actually, they're kind of hollowed out on the shoulders and then the softer rubber is laid over the top. So when you wear through the softer rubber, there's still harder rubber underneath. Oh, that's handy then. Yeah, so, I'm, I mean, they're, they're really worn. Um, they're cracking on uh, 13,000, 14,000 Ks now, but um, if anyone wants to shout me a set of tyres, more than happy. Uh, but uh, other than that, just the commuting thing, and I can't, I can't say anything else. That's pretty much it. Ah, I actually cleaned my chain. I bought some chain cleaner because I had to go to Super Cheap Auto and um, buy some. Uh, well, buy, I had to buy a car wash for the uh, father-in-law for his birthday. So I was like, oh, I'm going to get some chain cleaner. I've been meaning to get that for six months. Whoa, what a filthy mess my driveway was after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta you gotta put lots of rags down when you do that, eh? Oh, mate! But my um, yeah, my chain's looking really, really good right now. Though uh, I've got this. I'm sitting in the rumpus room where I normally record uh, next to all the wife's really expensive fabric, um, and I've got this. There's a smell, and I think it's my bike from all the chemicals I put on it over the weekend. So I should probably wash it again and try and make it less toxic smelling. Now, when you say chain cleaner, now this isn't like an ad for a chain cleaner or anything, but I've never actually used a chain cleaner in inverted commas. I, I usually use kerosene and there's a big debate. It's like, what oil do you use? There's a big debate on the internet about what you should and shouldn't use on, on certain chains. But uh, what, what kind of what kind of chain cleaner did you get? It was Penrite chain cleaner and it was said on the uh, can that it was safe for O-ring, Z-ring and X-ring chains. So I was like, sweet. Use that. I assume I have an O-ring chain still on the rally you were obviously happy with the results yeah like i had to get the old um old aliexpress chain cleaning brush out just to give it a good scrub because um yeah there was quite a lot of road grime caked onto that chain um because bike's cracking on nearly approaching the ten thousand k mark finally um, which i'm pretty proud of considering how little i get to ride uh old rosie the rally and yeah it was pretty pretty filthy the mess it made and i immediately after that um busted out the old motor x freebie chain lube that i scored at the KTM 790 Adventure launch at Boyd's Motorcycles. Like, honestly, like, this is, I love that chain lube. It just goes on nice and sticky and tacky and there's, like, no mess and barely any gets flung onto the wheel when you spin it, uh, which is always a plus. And, yeah, the chain chain looks nice and dandy and shiny and clean. Um, so hopefully next time uh, my little guy goes playing around the motorbike in the rumpus room and he touches the chain, he doesn't come back uh, looking like a filthy little grease monkey. I love a nice, clean chain. But... That's enough prattling on. We've got a lot of news to get through. Later on in the podcast, we're going to bring you the return of our new feature, Barely Legal. 
If you haven't heard about this, I'm going to leave that open to your imagination. We're going to catch up with the world's fastest Māori. Well, we're going to catch up about what he's up to anyway. And the New Zealand 2020 Cross Country Championships dates have been announced. It's all coming up in the news. Let's do it. 2020 New Zealand Cross Country Championships dates have been announced. Four rounds sponsored by, of course, Yamaha, O'Neill, The Dirt, Bell Ray, Oakley and Michelin. Uh, and there's a new under-19s Yamaha Cup up for grabs as well. Round 1, Sunday, 16th of February, Bushriders Motorcycle Club in Martin. Round 2, Sunday, 22nd March, Central Hawks Bay Motorcycle Club, Flemington. Round 3, Sunday, 26th of April, Marlborough Motorcycle Club, and round four, Saturday, 23rd of May, hosted by Topo Motorcycle Club. Now, you're uh, probably in the know if you want to know about this event, but for more information, www.mnz.co.nz. Uh, you'll find all the details, dates, and more information there. But that's just been announced, hasn't it? Because that first day is just around the corner. Sure is. Uh, it's about three weeks away, and those dates were announced literally about four days ago at the time of recording this. <laughs> Oh, wow. 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 Oh, new class, under-19 Yamaha Cup. Yeah, that's about all the information I can share with you on that as well. But, um, man, I, I, I wish I got into, you know, enduro and cross-country and sort of and that sort of riding when I was a young fella because uh, there's just so much riding to be done uh, when you're talking dirt bikes, right? Yeah, a quick side note. Would your parents have let you ride uh, at that age, under-19 and whatnot? Probably, but then my parents parents weren't into motorsport or bikes or cars or anything so me being into bikes and cars and stuff is is kind of like where did that even come from ah see mine definitely would not harking back to my experience on my cousin's dirt bike jumping it into an electric fence i still don't know how i managed to get my motorcycle license and everything like dad was all of a sudden like yeah 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 that's fine i'm gonna pay for you to get your motorcycle license sweet i don't think my parents could have stopped me to be fair i mean if you know anything about me you know that i'm quite headstrong and if i get an idea on my head that's what i'm gonna do so i never noticed that god i'm getting over this second rider has sadly passed away uh, after a crash at the dakar a couple of days ago the dakar organization um were informed by the family of dutch rider edwin straver uh, who crashed at the 124 kilometer mark of the second time special stage on day 11 of the dakar rally this year and sadly he died of his injuries uh, the medical team were immediately dispatched by helicopter on the day found edwin in cardiac arrest and proceeded with resuscitation efforts. He was then airlifted to hospital in Riyadh where he was admitted to the intensive care unit before being later repatriated back to the Netherlands. Uh, 48-year-old Edwin Straver was a former motocross rider and was taking part in his third Dakar. He finished 30th overall and first in the original bimotal class, so that's the Malimoto, like the real hardcore guys. He won that last year. He entered in the same class this year, so he was riding completely unsupported, doing everything on his off his own back and um, um, yes, sadly, the entire Dakar caravan is going to miss this guy because by all accounts, he was quite the character around the pits. And more sad news, of course, Paolo Goncalves died earlier, a couple of weeks ago, uh, at the start of week two of the Dakar. So that's two motorcycle deaths in this year's race, which is very, very sad. It just shows you how tough that event is as well. Uh, ridiculous, ridiculously tough. By the same token, 
such a picturesque place and such an amazing location for such an event. So uh, I hope this doesn't, you know, uh, make life difficult for the organisers of the event in future rounds because people do love that event. Yeah. I do hope there's going to be some some form of um, uh, ramped up safety or something because I don't want to see any more motorcyclists die doing this sort of thing. Yeah, I feel it's one of those things because, of course, it was the first year it was held in Saudi Arabia this year. And I feel that uh, completely untested course, uh, first time, there'll be a lot of lessons learned and next year I'm betting will be um, probably a different uh, – different route and yeah hopefully a safer route but then again that's part of the appeal of the Dakar rally too it's one of the world's toughest races and that's like the anxiety of whether or not your favorite rider is going to make it to the end is part of the appeal of following it isn't it yeah hearts and thoughts go out to family and friends of both those riders who passed away at this year's event yeah moving on um bruce crib he is uh according to his own uh, own wikipedia page yeah is the world's fastest Mulry. Um, he is a former New Zealand Speedway champion. Um, he won 1972's National Speedway Championship and he went on to represent New Zealand in the World Team Speedway Champs, uh, securing the title in the process for our tiny nation, which is uh, not a bad effort. Um, so Bruce Cribb, he's on his way back. He's currently back in New Zealand um, and he's doing a bit of a tour with a ice bike. Um, around the the country. Oh, of course, with it being um, Northern Hemisphere winter, I've seen some epic videos of people on these ice bikes. You know, they've basically got tyres with big-ass nails hanging out of them, and they're just rocking it up across frozen lakes and rivers. Yeah, you wouldn't want to fall off and run over yourself, would you? Like, it, they, they look really, really cool, but I'm looking at some of these videos and I'm going, hell no, I can't even ride that confidently on sand, let alone ice. Um, but anyway, over the next month, the uh, former Palmy North local will tour the country from Invercargill to Auckland to showcase ice race, the ice racing bike's ability to tear up the speedway track. Um, so the tour kicks off at the Burtman Road Challenge. Uh, geez, that's coming up. That's be what? Next week. Um before heading to Christchurch on the February 15th. Uh, then he has two dates in Auckland. The first is at Waikaraka Park on the 22nd of February, uh, followed by his hometown of Palmerston North on the 29th of February, because, of course, it's a leap year. We get a 29th of February. Uh, and finally, he finishes off his tour uh, with a final fling in Auckland at Rosebanks Speedway Facility on the 1st of March. And hopefully, uh, we're trying to tee up an interview to talk with the man, because um, I'm sure he's got some pretty interesting stories to tell. And finally, to wrap up the news, uh, a little bit more news following or regarding the BMW International GS Trophy. In case you've forgotten, um, New Zealand is hosting the BMW Motorrad International GS Trophy competition this year. Um, and that kicks off on the 8th, I believe, of February. Um, so BMW GS uh, Trophy it was founded in 2008. It's an invitation-only competition, um, which sees riders grouped into nationalised teams and pitted against each other and the elements uh, to successfully navigate some of the most challenging adventure riding imaginable. And, of course, this is all done on BMW's Galandastrasse GS machines. Um, kind of like what Ben's just done, uh, the editor of Kiwi Rider, except, um, well, they're going to be on F850 GSs, not an uh, old R100 GS. Um, but they're going to be riding from one end of the country to the other like he just did. 
Um, previous years have seen the GS Trophy uh, take on Mongolia, Thailand, Canada, Patagonia, which would have been epic, as well as a few other places. And yes, yeah, somehow uh, little old New Zealand was chosen to host the seventh edition of the rally, which is pretty, pretty big news. Um, this is all going to be kicking off in the next week or so. Um, and so if you're going to be seeing a large pack of BMW F850 GSs, uh, they're all limited edition bikes built specifically for this event uh, if you see them give them a wave show some of that good old kiwi hospitality because the 2020 bmw motorrad international gs trophy kicks off into the back country on the 9th of february basically as far as we know the route is a closely guarded secret but they'll be heading from one end of the country to the other um, and doing some crazy stuff along the way in their teams so um, here's hoping we get to Follow along a bit more closely once uh, all those BMW folks uh, land in the country over the next week. Can't wait. Outstanding. And that pretty much wraps up the news. Right, the return of another feature. A brand new feature last week, Barely Legal. You're looking at this going, what? are we getting ourselves into we're not getting into anything seriously uh barely legal it's a feature where i like to bring to you the listeners and you matt uh some of the stranger road laws around the world well i'm always keen to learn and the first one we've got today lane splitting now we know we can't do it in places and we're lucky to be able to do it here in new zealand did you know you can't lane split in georgia usa i would have suspected it would have been a big fat no um i think what there's only a couple of states in the US where you're actually allowed to do it. Um, I think California's one, and I think maybe Oregon. Do you know there's some states in the US that you can ride without a helmet? So you literally ride up to the state line wearing a helmet and you can take it off after that point? Yeah, but why? Like, <laughs> I don't know about you, but I have absolutely zero desire to ride without a helmet. Like, I can't even ride without um, my glasses on. Well, like, I, I legally have to anyway, but... It's just strange that you can do things up to a point and then you can't do them. It's, <laughs> you it's cross that imaginary uh, line. But, but why? Because America. Yeah, freedom and such. In Romania, you have to be 24 before you can even look at a 600cc motorcycle. In the UK, you've got to be 25. Yeah, that, that seems a bit draconian. Like It, makes- it does, but it, it would cut... Oh, I suppose we don't really have a massive issue with young people destroying themselves on high-powered high motorcycles in this country, do we? So you can't really make the argument that uh, because of age, uh, experience comes into play. Yeah, but it does make you quite glad we've got uh, lambs um, as a, the rule for gaining your motorcycle license and everything up to 660cc and what is it 150 kilowatts per ton power to weight ratio something like that but you were you were saying that the um these laws like in the uk you can't look at a 600cc bike until you're 25 you were saying off air before we started the podcast that it, it helped with sales of your your smaller you know 1500cc bikes and such um you mean 150cc bikes uh, <laughs> oh, sorry yeah yeah one, what, uh, yeah, yeah. Little, yeah, little bikes. Like, yeah, I think in the UK it's a law that um, they have a graduated system similar to us. And sorry, I'm not an actual expert. So if you are an expert or a former UK rider and want to explain to us how the licensing system works, um, please get in touch via um, the Facebook page or flick us an email or whatnot. Um, but from my understanding, you have to start out on a small capacity bike, and I'm talking 125ccs, and then you're able to graduate up slowly as you reach X point in your licensing system. 
Um, it sounds really, really hardcore. I don't necessarily think it's a silly thing, though. Like, it wouldn't be a bad thing for learners in New Zealand to be stuck on 250cc and below and then restricted maybe go to your full lambs bikes and then full you can go on anything, right? I imagine it would be good for motorcycle sales. Um, but honestly, lambs, like, I remember, well, we, I remember a lot of people I knew were quite tall and lanky. Um, and the 250cc and under bikes back when we were learning to ride that we were stuck on, a lot of guys didn't fit on those. And um, so, yeah, it was um, problematic. Like, I started out on a GT250 hire sung, which was one of the physically largest um, 250s you could get. Um, and I remember guys getting on. What were they? The VT VTR 250s um, Hondas. They look kind of like a little Ducati monster, like with trellis frame and that. They look real cool. But man, they're tiny. And you used to see some very, very gankly people on those. I rode a CBR 125. Well, I actually bought it. I owned it for about six weeks. I, I couldn't stand it after a while. I was riding it like a motocross bike, like a like a motard, sticking my leg out into the corner and all sorts, just because it was such a tiny little bike with such a lack of power. But it, was, it looked really cool. Yeah, and I think that's part of the... Um, like part of the culture over in the UK and that just to bring it back to where we started. Um, there's a whole like subculture of all those small bikes where people sort of get them and they kind of fall in love with them. Um, Cause they're sort of just you're in, in the city. You don't really need to hit the motorway or whatever. You're just pootling around uh, town and whatnot. You just go down to the shops um, and they do make a lot of sense where I remember, do you remember when we were learning, we were limited theoretically to 70 kilometers an hour on your lunar license yeah and nobody adhered to that law i remember uh, i got my license i went to dunedin to pick up the bike i was living living in invercargill and they said um by the way don't do 70 when you go home because that's stupid and you'll die pretty much and it's horrifying to think how long it took the powers that be to realize that was a problem especially when you got like people like venturing out onto the open road and whatnot um especially what what was it the late 2000s we were starting to get up ourselves um all the boy races around flying around corners at 120 you just get cleaned up it was the trucks that really worried me i still remember that first ride and i'd done no riding up until i put the point where i bought that bike in dunedin i think i bought it on a saturday i picked it up on a saturday rode back to invercargill first thing monday morning and i was white knuckling it past these trucks coming towards me in the opposite direction and oh, i was i was so petrified you know sh- s- locked shoulders locked elbows white knuckles death grip on the handlebars every time a truck would come past a big gust of wind I'm, <laughs> no, don't fall over yeah i remember remember that well for me it was uh, not so much big trucks but going over the auckland harbour bridge because i was commuting from the north shore to uh, auckland university of technology and i did it rain hail or shine because i absolutely loathe public transport um, particularly the bus system in Auckland it was horrifically slow um, so I just jump on the motorbike and that and yeah remember one oh, it must have been my second or the third year of uni and there was a tornado in Albany where I was living at the time oh I remember that yeah and um, I rode home that day while I was sitting in class and looking out the window going oh that weather's looking a bit nasty and then one of my classmates pulls up his uh, laptop and goes uh did you ride your motorbike today, Matt? And I was like, yeah, of course. And they're like, you might want to delay going home. And then showed me this thing, Twister hits Albany, hits Rosedale. And I was like, oh, that's a bit close to my house. Um, sketchiest ride home ever on the little lightweight 250. 
good memories. Though. Final offering for Bailey Legal: uh, smart motorways and smart highways in England. Sometimes you can. Uh, sometimes they allow you to use the hard shoulder, the emergency breakdown inside lane. Other times, as a full running lane. Now that's a smart idea. So a smart motorway in England is smart enough to actually divert traffic around, maybe a breakdown in the middle lane, and go out and around it. And that's quite cool. Something else that I just has just sprung to mind. Uh, motorists in you know Europe are smart enough that when the traffic stops, they pull to you know the closest outside bit of the road so emergency services can cut straight up the middle that is smart that is something that motorists in new zealand should be doing but we're not talking about cars we're talking about motorbikes yeah well we were talking about uh, motorbikes and such because i think it's um that's pretty much just for this episode apart from uh, one last thing One last thing, it is the Dan joke, and uh, I haven't written it down uh, for you, Matt, so it's it's actually brand new. Are you ready? I am ready. I'm looking forward to this. My wife is really mad at the fact that I have no sense of direction. So I packed up my stuff, <laughs> and I write. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. It, it took me a while to click as well, which is equally it as bad. It was pretty bad, that one, wasn't it? <laughs> All right, I'll give you a quick one-liner to finish off. How do you make holy water? How do you make holy water? You poke it. You boil the hell out of it. <laughs> oh. This is Kiwi Rider Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Make sure you share this podcast with a writing buddy of yours. Thank you very, very much to everyone who's listened thus far. We've hit the magic 1,000 downloads in a month mark, which is absolutely stellar. So thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Thank you for sh- subscribing and thank you for sharing. If you want to get in touch with us, Facebook is the way. Facebook.com Kiwi Rider Podcast. Search Kiwi Rider Podcast. Check out kiwirider.co.nz, new magazine out last week as well all the pictures all the uh, goss and all the bits and pieces that we probably forgot to mention on this podcast also check out onthrottle.co.nz Matt that is your kind of abode for all things New Zealand and motorcycling what's the latest story you've got up there oh I've just started doing some um, motorcycling guides Um, sort of generalised stuff Um, my younger brother was talking over the uh, Christmas break about getting his motorcycle licence and I figured instead of um, sitting him down and telling him stuff so like it would go in one ear and out the other he'd forget it within five minutes of driving home um, I'd write it down so I've got a uh, couple of guides that have just gone up as well as a review of the Can-Am Riker three-wheeled kind of car bike hybrid thing uh, that was a bit different to the normal thing I've been riding Um, so check that out otherwise I've been Ray I've been Matt keep the rubber side down throttle on and we will catch you in seven days time Thank you.